Welcome you into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock, Red Dirt Redbird, a Medlock one Twitters. Um, coming to you Friday morning after the Cardinals rallied to win the last game against Milwaukee uh, after losing the last two. Alan, you know, we were talking, we've talked the last couple weeks about, okay, they're playing a softer schedule are they good because of the softer schedule or have they figured some stuff out? They lost two out of three to Milwaukee. And I think Milwaukee proved to be the better team, but I don't know that the gap is as big as 11 games would show you in the standings. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. And it was one of those, the, the entire time that we've been talking about that, I was like, I'm not sure how indicative this series was of how good the Cardinals actually are. Just because the pitching matchups were so good, mm-hmm. back and forth, anything could have happened. And, you know, honestly, the Cardinals could have won two of those games. You could, could argue that they could have won that Wainwright game, but he did just about everything he could, and and it, they Burns was just really good. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. one of those situations. that That's tough. You're, you're, you can't win them all. Um, I went into the series wishing for a series win. Hoping to win one and real are hoping basically. Let me let me rephrase that. Wishing to win the series, hoping they didn't get swept in the series. Yeah. You know, one of those type of situations because one of these to where, yeah, they're probably more evenly matched than we thought. But Milwaukee's pretty good. I could I could see Milwaukee winning the National League. I mean, they are they they're pretty loaded. I think the Peralta injury may hurt them here toward the end of this end of the season. Um, that may be me being hopeful that that they that the Cardinals don't lose eight of the remaining 10, you know, that mm-hmm. they play against them right. and completely take themselves out of, out of the equation. But, but yeah, you're, you're right. I, I really don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to tell. And we probably won't be able to tell much about St. Louis, even in the next, you know, 10 games, you know, to find out what they or the, the remaining games of August to see where they really are. But, uh, but they're in it. I don't know how much that's helped from the West and uh, immensely being helped from the East but to answer your question, I, I think that they're a much better off than they were, you know, six weeks ago. I'm just not sure if that's going to be enough, you know, down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot to deal with, you know, they do have the Reds um, at the end of the month. And then, you know, that's serious. That's September is, is going to be tough for them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you looked at that and you're right. You looked at these pitching matchups and it's like, one, you didn't know if either side was going to really score much um, because you threw the you know the best things at them, um, and for the Cardinals to you know treat Freddie Peralta the way they did early on, and then to rally again, and I think that's the most important. The most, yeah. and you and I talked about that some last night. For the fact that they got down, you know, they were up one to nothing. Okay, fine. You didn't figure John Lester was holding a one to nothing lead, but. You know, to get down four to one against Brandon Woodruff, I mean, I'll admit, I thought, man, that's this, you know, yeah. it's over. And for them to to rally against him showed some some fights, and I think that that right there, that inning that they they had against him, might be most indicative of the fact that this team is a lot different than the team that we saw in June that was struggling against you know the weaker competition. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there was a situation to where whenever they lost the lead last night and Lester hasn't been John Lester and probably won't be. And he gets singled a bunch and he gets he gets uh, batted ball luck against him quite a bit. Um, There were the, the Wong hit in particular. I noticed that there was some bad body language on the field. 
Um, you know, I felt like you could really see it with O'Neal. So for that to happen, and you could tell that they were a little deflated after that inning, to come back and have O'Neal hit the two-strike bomb, it mm-hmm. says a lot about the team to me and about where they are, you know, mentally. That uh, made me feel pretty good about walking away with a one win. I, I it's And I, like I said, I didn't have high hopes that they'd win the series anyway. But last night's win felt like two wins to me. Yeah, yeah. And... <sighs> I mean, again, we're looking at the positives right now, and that's that's good because I'm glad we have some positives to look at. But you start to think about, you know, how close they were on on um, a Wednesday night to winning that game. That they they win that, and and just the fact that everybody else in that, you know, the Reds had lost, Padres had lost. You know, you're making up another game in the division. You know, you add that. I mean, the Cardinals right now they sit three and a half games out of the wild card, which is. You know, I wrote that off a long time ago because I didn't expect the Padres to just fall apart like they have. I don't know exactly what's going on out there. They have zero pitching. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you signed Jake Arrieta, you've got zero pitching. But, yeah. um, you know, that's that's weird, right? Because, I mean, going into this season, their rotation was kind of like, okay, they're, they're maybe not the Dodgers rotation, but it's pretty close, right? You know, I mean, but... Uh, Snell hasn't worked out and Darvish has been hurt and, you know, then they're signing Jake Arrieta. So, you know, three and a half games is reasonable, right? If they could, and oh, especially yeah, with the stuff they've got. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it, it has gone, it's gotten to the point where last week I made the comment, I don't think you can focus on anything but Cincinnati right now. And it's mm-hmm. one of those, if you catch Cincinnati, then you look forward to, uh, to seeing what you have ahead of you. Well, now you're kind of wanting Cincinnati to win. Because you want, you have them. Yeah. So if they can overtake San Diego and you all are neck and neck, you have a head to head with Cincinnati and San Diego left. You're in a pretty good spot if you can win those series, you know. And that's something that I never would. I mean, two weeks ago we thought was unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the calendar flip is really, and I don't. Know, it, it's really interesting because you know we talk it around the trade deadline and that the idea of if they got Hester and they got Happ and it's like. At Lester, I said, I said Hester, weird. Uh, Lester and Hap. And we were like, eh, okay, you're just really trying to get through this year. But it seems to have flipped some sort of switch. Yeah. Because the it, team, if nothing else, and I haven't looked at the numbers, and I may be wrong, and maybe I haven't watched as much, but it really feels like walks are way down in that two or three week period. And that's really kind of leading to why they're playing better baseball. I mean, it helps that they're playing weaker teams, but. You know, except for that Atlanta series, which that Atlanta game is going to be scarred into our minds for a while. Yeah. Well, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just go saying, ahead. I think everything has been a little bit better. Yeah. And you know what? It's also one of those situations to where it, look at Atlanta right now. Last mm-hmm. week, they were a game down when you and I talked, and I said they're going to win that division. They're four games up right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, they, a lot of things are falling into place for them. So I know that doesn't that doesn't pacify anything the Cardinals are doing because of the bullpen blow up and I mean mm-hmm. and I am kind of I'm kind of in that uh, in the camp that I feel like the back of the bullpen's cooked right now that I worry about that yeah. if it wasn't for Cabrera they'd be in serious trouble. Um, yeah. Now that seems to that seems to be riding the ship a little bit though and I mean we'll get into that I'm sure um, I do know at one point they were. Fourth, they've allowed the fourth fewest walks in baseball, and that. But that, I think that was over a week ago, and that may have changed. But I do know that things that they, significantly better since the All Star break. Yeah, I mean they they have been, and you're right. That Atlanta series, I don't even at the time it was like okay, Atlanta's under 500, but they were like what, one game under 500 going in yeah. playing the Cardinals, and they had just redone their team. And that that revamp really worked for Atlanta. I mean they're nine and one in their last ten, and they're nine games over 500 now which you know like we said what was that two weeks ago when the cardinals played them they were under so yeah on a tear and that's you're right that's you can't if it wasn't if it if you just lost that series i don't really think about it much it's the fact that you lose that game by walking in four runs that yeah that's what's gonna to scar you um, yeah, let's get into that bullpen though. And then we may be starting to transition from some of our happy talk, but, um, you know, I sent you a note this week that ever since that Atlanta game, Alex Reyes hasn't walked a batter and he's pitched in what, like six innings or something like that. And that he hasn't walked a batter since then. 
The problem is he's allowed seven runs in that span. I mean, only two are earned, but basically with, yeah, I hate to say this, but without that, you know, threat of wildness, I guess it feels like maybe teams are getting to him a little bit more, but I think it goes to what you were saying. Also him and Gallegos, you know, they're just not as automatic anymore because they've been used quite a bit. Oh yeah. And you know, last night it was funny whenever you and I were exchanging text messages, I thought I kind of felt like he is going with the Schilt being he mm-hmm. is going with the the win now must win mentality and they're gonna go guy they're gonna go Cabrera, Gallegos and Reyes mm-hmm. because they also like to get Reyes back on the horse. Yep, so yep. it was very pleasant to me to see McFarland last night. Uh, even though McFarland's getting into that pitching every night you know, routine that, th- that they do. Um, yeah, I worry about the back end of the bullpen a little bit. And it's one of those to where I really ride the fence on this one too. I wish they would remove the ninth inning only mentality for Reyes right now mm-hmm. and actually work him a little bit earlier and get him out of some uh, save situations. I don't know what you do. I don't know if that's a Helsley or a Gallegos type deal, but maybe just some relief, some pressure from him. And uh, see if that wouldn't because I mean, you're going to try to build up some innings on him anyway. But I, I don't. I wonder if that that would help. But I think that they're more afraid that that's going to hurt mentality in the long run as well. But I don't know the answer right now. But I just feel like the back the big three of right now Cabrera is the one that I feel most confident with. Yeah, and that's and that's weird because for me at least, and I haven't. But but Cabrera is the one that all year long, it's either he's really good or he's not. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, you know, there's not a, a whole lot of, well, if he gives up a walk, then you're okay. And he'll get out of it. It's a lot of times, you know, it's one, two, three, or it's not. It feels like at least. Um, so it's a little bit weird to see that, but you're right. I think that, uh, you know, Carrera had at least a stretch earlier in the July, somewhere in there, maybe, you know, where he didn't pitch for like, eight or nine days. Um, so he's had a little bit of rest at some point in time this year. Um, but yeah, I don't know what they do. I, you know, last night four run lead. And again, you're right. I, I expect that they're playing like they got to win every game to some degree. And they, to some degree kind of need to. Um, and you definitely don't want to let Milwaukee get back off the mar- uh, map. I get that. But Gallegos had thrown, what, 26 pitches the night before? <laughs> and to bring him out in the eighth in a four-run game just just seemed like, man, what are you doing here? You know, um, when you've got guys, like, I'm no big Ponce de Leon fan. Don't get me wrong. But you got a four-run lead, and he hasn't pitched since he's been activated over 10 days ago. When are you going to use him? You know, yeah. I mean, why can't you... Three better minimum at you know he at worst he makes it a one run game I guess and you get somebody else in there I I just don't and um, it feels like there's others that you know kind of go a while like Helsley hasn't pitched since Saturday why didn't Helsley pitch last night um, that one concerns me a little bit yeah and I know you said you thought you think there might be something there and and maybe there is I mean they don't always tell us this stuff and I know we've kind of said don't pitch Helsley in a clean inning because it kind of gets, but yeah, still, even if you're going to, if you're, if Gallegos is available, then, you know, let Helsley start the inning. Cause I think the last couple times Helsley actually has had a clean inning maybe, but let him start it and then bring Gallegos in if you need to. Um, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand some of this bullpen usage and I do wonder if it's not going to blow up on them in September. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? It's, it's, I'm going to preface this by saying that what we always do, we have the Cardinals under a microscope, right? And we and we judge that more than other ball clubs. And when you watch it, listen to other broadcasts, a lot of those the other teams have have the same problems. And if you talk to fans of other teams, they'll say the same things that we do. But but we but I just don't know that. That's a long winded way of asking this question: Is there a team as bad as the Cardinals that in the way that they handle that long man role? I'd, I've never seen it. It's unreal, and it and it's. It, I guess it started most with Matheny to have that long man that never pitches. I mean, 
Ponce is, is redundant right now. That's that's the yeah. thing that's really strange about it because he doesn't get any time at all. And when he does, it's going to be a collapse and the line's going to be, well, he hasn't thrown much. And that, I mean, that's not fair to anyone. Yeah. I I think, yeah. Of course, you know, Ponce de Leon would not be on this roster if he had options. I think that's just safe to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. I mean, agreed. He, he's, he's here because he doesn't have options. He probably could have stayed on rehab a little bit longer, but I mean, you're still going to have the same situation. And it was a roster move they can make. And he does give depth in case, you know, a, a, a guy like Lester goes out early. Um, although, you know, Lester left, bef- you know, in the fifth last night and then they didn't go to him. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but and I, yeah, I, I don't know of any other team. I don't know how many other teams have a guy like a long man, you know, cause I, yeah, you know, I it's, it's, yeah, it's strange. I did. I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's a, a thing that baseball just doesn't really need anymore because yeah. they're so big of a bullpen. I mean, you got what most everybody's got what, you know, 12 or 13 man pitching staff, which means you've got seven to eight men in the bullpen, you know, and you know, if a game gets bad enough, you're throwing, a, you know, you're throwing your first baseman on the mound for the last inning or two. Um, I just don't know that there's that much of a need for a guy that can go five or you know three or four innings anymore. And I think the Cardinals have put one on the roster and then found out that they don't really need that, especially with guys <laughs> like, well, you know, you know, if Adam Wainwright's going six or seven innings every five days, you know, that gives you a chance to rest a lot of guys. And Jack Flaherty is a guy that's going to go, you know, usually at least six, um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know where you find that spot for them. And yeah, I, I agree. I don't know why you have them then if you don't, if you're not going to use them and you know, well, we may find out today. I mean, today, Miles Michaelis comes back. They're going to have to take somebody off the 26 man. They're going to have to take somebody <laughs> off the 40 man. Um, you That's know, kind of, not, I was, I was kind of going in that direction myself. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they wave punts because I think if they were, I think they'd at least let him pitch before they'd done that, but yeah, you, know, you can roll that out. Yeah, and you do, you know. To me, I, I have thought, and they I'm stepping all over this comment. <laughs> it's funny to me that it, it kind of works the way that it has because I wonder I, I how much they are trying to build up trade value with him. You know, and and I'm not it maybe non-existent. I don't know. But uh, I kind of felt like that was kind of the, the situation going into uh, his return from rehab a little bit. That that may be part of the uh, part of the deal. But but I don't know. And then it, it makes you wonder: Is that roster spot even worth it at this point? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm roster management has always been an issue. And again, and again, I think you're right to some degree that we focus on the Cardinals and we know what the heck are they doing. And a lot of other teams have the same type of thing. I mean, you know, you just kind of, if you're devoted enough to a team that you actually pay attention to their roster management, you probably think they're doing it wrong. Um, but it does feel like that's been an issue for the Cardinals for a while. You know, they've got a lot of guys right now that they can't send down. Um, I mean, Junior Fernandez will probably go to um, Memphis with Michaelis coming back. They still have to cut somebody off the 40-man. But, you know, they designated Scott Hurst when they had to bring Flaherty back. They could do something. You know, there's some guys like that that probably would clear waivers, and that's probably what they do. But, you know, it just still feels like there's a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of flexibility, um, you know, and – you know, it may not matter anymore. You know, they've kind of gotten everybody off that, you know, and, and, you know, we've talked about it. We've joked about it. Baseball always seems to figure out a way to get your roster to work out because those had Ponce coming back. They had, um, Flaherty coming back that he did come off the 60 man. So he had to find a spot. And then you have Miles Michael as well. You know, when Ponce comes back, it was, um, who got hurt with Ponce? It was a KK that he went out with. Yeah, and then it was the I think so because that was just a quick switch over because you and I made yeah. that comment. We're just like, yeah. oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, and then Flaherty, you know, Justin Miller goes on the on the IL first day, and then again they had to wave Hurst. You know, there could be you know 
uh, it could be an injury. I don't think there's an injury today to put to Michaelis on, but like you said, John Lester took a ball off the leg last night. I mean, you know, are we going to rule that out? Possibly not. Um, although, like I said, I think Junior Fernandez go down makes the easiest thing, and that was, you know, at one time it looked like, oh man, they're going to have to like really cut some people. They're really going to have to do some stuff, and then it's like, well, no, not so much. You know, um, you know, and, and at least kick those decisions down the road a little bit because you know KK is he had his first rehab start last night and I didn't look I, I, what I saw seemed to be okay. Um, so you figure he's going to be back pretty, probably in a, maybe, maybe one more start um, down in Memphis. Um, and so they'll have some of these decisions to deal with, but yeah, it's just, it's weird to see this bullpen. It's really weird to see it. And, and, and I guess give, give the front office the credit they deserve. Um, Luis Garcia, Travis or TJ McFarlane, you know, even if you want to consider Wade, Wade LeBlanc, these are guys that were on the waiver wire. They were, you know, designated from assignment from other teams and have turned out to be, you know, really key components now that, especially now that Garcia seems to be getting a lot more time, um, key components to this year. And I don't think, you know, when we saw them pick those guys up, it was, they're just trying to fill innings, but you know, at least for right now, they've caught some lightning in the bottle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Both of them have been exceptional, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a it's it it may have saved the bullpen, and probably yeah. definitely saved the bullpen, especially with with some of the things that we've seen and some of the usage issues. Which is you're right. I mean, a pat on the back. I mean, it was also I I like the idea in those situations to grab as much pitching as you can and hope you find a solution. And right. obviously, that's not the way you can do it in the big leagues, but. You know, whatever research they did worked. I mean, because those guys are effective now, and that's that's what you need down the stretch. Yeah, and I mean, that has helped lead to that. You know, what we talked about earlier. You know, that there people aren't walking, and I yeah. think when people aren't walking, you know, this defense is good enough that if balls are put in play, they're going to turn into outs more times than not. You know, I'm I just pulled up Luis Garcia right now, just as an example. He's pitched 14.2 innings for the Cardinals. He's walked one batter wow. the whole time um, and 15 strikeouts to go along with that. So, you know, I mean, he's, <laughs> um, you know, would this last a whole year? Probably not. You know, is this a guy you want to bring back for next year? I, I'm not going to say it's an automatic. I think you'd think about it, but I don't know that, you know, these are the guys that you just automatically bring back. Cause I think that's how you get into some dangerous situations. Sure. Sure. But for right now, I mean, Dave, that's that's. I'm going to pull up uh, McFarland real quick and see um, what he's done with the Cardinals. He has pitched 16 innings and walked three batters. Um, uh, you know, you get those two guys in there and and use doing it at a regular basis. You know that that makes things a lot better. Um, you send you know Johan Oviedo's out of the rotation, and that's a lot of walks gone. And I think you just you know even when they've lost. You know, as they saw against Milwaukee, it's it's kind of a it's a closer, more competitive, crisper game when you know you're not having six or seven walks in the mix. Yeah, I mean that it just goes to show what uh, what would have happened. Honestly, we can get into this a little bit later too. But on both sides of the ball with the walks, you know, mm-hmm. that's I mean, you take the walks out of the equation for the Cardinals, and they're right there in it. I mean that, that that was just so debilitating to them. So to see them right the ship is 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 nice. Um, with that being said, too, are we looking at a situation where two big bullpen pieces come in in uh, Kim and LeBlanc at this point, or you know, there's a part of the schedule that it could could lead to a six starter type situation. Yeah. But uh, is that will that kind of alleviate some things in the bullpen as well? It has a potential to, it also has a potential to be, um, you know, you still run into the same issue, right? Cause these are guys that are stretched out. These are guys that yeah. can go long periods of time and, you know, do they go for one? I mean, the one time we've seen KK in the relief role was last year at the beginning of 20, you know, beginning of 2020, the first game and he blew the save, right? You know I mean? it's not the position he's necessarily used to. I think he can pitch there. I don't, I'm not saying that that's indicative of what he's going to be, but you know, are you, are you willing to use KK for an inning? Um, maybe you are, I don't know. And if not, then is he going to get stuck into this like Ponce de Leon type of situation where he's mm-hmm. going to 
sit for two weeks and then, well, we got to pitch him somewhere. Uh, I think LeBlanc is, you know, he started in the bullpen. He's been a bullpen guy. Um, he's a guy I think that they'd be more likely to use maybe for an inning or two. Um, but I, you know, I don't see, I don't see how you fit, you know, you know, the rotation is what it is, right? It's, it's going to be Hap and Lester. Neither one of those guys I see going to the bullpen really. Yeah. I, um, uh, cause Lester's about the one, you know, Lester hasn't pitched well, but he's not going to the bullpen. I mean, if they, if they do anything with John Lester, they get rid of him. Yeah. Um, you know, Hap has pitched well. He, if he hadn't, if he had struggled, I think he'd be more likely to go to the bullpen, but he hasn't. You got those two guys. You got Wainwright, you've got Flaherty, and you've got Michaelis. So, you know, I don't see that you're going to have Kim or, or LeBlanc in the rotation. Like you said, a spot start in the sixth spot, maybe, but, you know, then how do you keep them stretched out? So, I, this is, again, you start getting to this. And it's and it's a good problem to have to some degree. Put that in quotes. But this is the uh, this is the thing of grabbing all this pitching. All of a sudden, you know, when everybody starts to getting healthy, then you've got to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. And the, you know, there's a <laughs> we assume and want to see this happen, but it it's going to take you know two good starts for me to be convinced that Michaelis is ready to go make the deep run yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that is absolutely fair. I don't know that any of us really typically trust. Michaelis just yet. Um, I mean, one, we got to see if he's healthy, but two, then we got to see if he's effective, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. even when he's been healthy in 2019, you know, 2018, great year for him. 2019, it was, eh, it was all right. You know, and then of course he's been gone for 2020 and basically all of 2021. So, you know, what are you going to get from him? That's, that's remains to be seen. Yeah. And that, that's <laughs> it, definitely not, are definitely putting the cart before the horse type situation with, with him right now. Now I do like the enthusiasm of him coming back. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited about tonight and uh, we'll see how it goes, but you know, skeptical may not be the word, but maybe a little apprehensive. Yeah. And I think that even what you expect out of Michaelis is more than what you expect right now. It's more than what you expect out of Lester. It's probably more than you expected out of hat before he's pitched the last little bit. Um, and you're still, I think maybe there's some people I'm not going to disagree with necessarily that are wondering if a little bit of smoke and mirrors with Hap right now. I mean, not that the, I don't think the underlying numbers show that it is, but it's still fair to wonder, you know, this guy's struggled all year long and then he's had, you know, what, three good starts with the Cardinals. Is it going to last? Uh, you know, that I don't know. Um, the fact that, yeah, um, he's walked five in his two, three starts so far. So that's not too bad. Um, so yeah, I think you're, you kind of, Michaelis still feels like that, you know, three starter, right? Three to four starter. And if you get that out of him, great. And I think, oh, I think that'd be huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and this is a situation and again, you know, maybe this is a situation that a creative team would, you know, plan on him for three or four innings yeah. and have, uh, you know, Ponce de Leon for two or three innings behind him to, you know, knowing that you're not going to get six out of him. But then again, I want to say he went sick. You know, he went pretty deep in his rehab start. So I don't think there's any particular reason to think he's not going to go deep, but you know, that's yeah. where, that's where you could have done some of that rehabbing in the major leagues too. And, you know, we talked about that a while back with Flaherty and him that, you know, let him stretch out in the big leagues and, and solve some of your problems. But, you know, again, that's, I feel like that's something maybe Tampa Bay would do, but I'm not sure that there's any other teams that would have done that. Sure. And that, you know, it, when I, when we went through all these names, that was the first thing I thought about. I was like, one, we haven't seen aggressive playoff into the season shield yet. And mm-hmm. I think that we will, you know what I mean? You know, pulling guys quickly and uh, being super aggressive. We haven't necessarily seen that. Um, now he may not have the pieces to do that. That may be some of it to this point. But then I was thinking about Tampa. I was like, man, Tampa would build one of these to where you would never see more than two times through the lineup. And you'd see, you know what I mean? You'd go four innings through possibly two to three pitchers. Cardinals, they don't have that luxury, but that's something that, that, uh, Tampa would do. And you just wonder if the Cardinals couldn't do something like that, but, uh, you know, that's not their MO and, and, and it's yet to be seen how they're going to use some of these guys, but that would be a creative way and actually a fun way to see him do it. Yeah. 
Um, let's shift gears just a little bit because the Milwaukee series, and it's going to be this way for a while, but um, being that this was only the, you know, I think the second time, really the third time we've seen Milwaukee, but the first time in St. Louis, Colton Long played the first game, got hurt. I don't remember how he did that series in Milwaukee, if he was even available. But obviously, seeing Colton Wong on Bush Stadium turf in another uniform really rehashes or relitigates, if you will, this decision in the offseason to let him go. Now, I've got to say, Colton Wong could hit 250 the rest of his career. He's going to hit 400 against the Cardinals. I just, I completely believe that he yeah. will always have his best games against the Cardinals. Um, it's frustrating to hear again, the decision to let Wong go, maybe you could justify it. It was really tough, but the, the stuff that we're hearing, and I think we've heard it before, but it really kind of came out again this week of the Cardinals never called him. Cardinals never, you know, engaged with, Hey, let's renegotiate this option. Cardinals never, never did anything. Um, that, I mean, that just doesn't sit right with me, right? I mean, this is a guy that yeah. you've developed, you've brought up. At, at least you call and say, hey, what will it take? Or, hey, this is what we're doing. Or, hey, you know, do something. I mean, you, I mean, it really, I mean, from all, from all, uh, symptoms or all the reports that we hear and everything like that, they just kind of just declined the option and went on. And, you know, again, how much better would this team be with Colton Wong on this roster? I mean, this would be, uh, they would definitely be a wild card team right now, if not a division winning division team. Yeah. And it's, you know, I was indifferent when the move was made because I thought, okay, there's going to be an upgrade somewhere. And when you go you get Arnado and you get those guys and then you kind of feel like, okay, it, it makes sense. I think you're going to be okay. You have a cheaper option at second who has some upside. Um, I, I think that you're going to be all right. I was okay with the move. The one thing that, that hurts is how much you would see that he would want to be here. And I thought that was really evident during this series. Mm-hmm. And that that's the one that you're just like, man, that kind of stinks. And then hindsight being 2020, boy, where would they be with a good leadoff man? Yep. You know what I'm saying? And it's and not that not that Edmund or Carlson have been terrible out of the leadoff spot. It's just kind of one of those miscast, you know, type situation to where Wong has flourished as a leadoff man. Mm-hmm. And that would have been pretty substantial. I agree with you. I mean, and that that also softens the blow of the De Young fallback a little bit more as well. And that's uh you know, it, it's tough to question it in the beginning. And I thought, all right, you're declining the option after a season of uh, of revenue lost. It makes sense. But now you're just like, man, you'd have been a better ball club if you'd picked it up. And it, from what it sounds like, he would have come back cheaper than, than what was proposed. Yeah, I mean, you've got an option. So at worst, you pick him up for a year, $12 million, I think, 12 and a half. Um, and being that the Rockies were paying for Nolan Arenado this year, um, I get that you didn't necessarily know where this, the attendance was going to be. Pretty sure you didn't figure the attendance would be as low as it's been right now. If you had openings, but that's another story we can talk about. Yeah. Um, but you didn't know where the attendance was be. You didn't have some of these cash flows. You understand? I, I understand. And again, we probably talked through it at the time. But the idea that I just I th- the idea you couldn't afford him is kind of silly. The idea, yeah. the idea that, you know, again, it was one year. If at the end of that ye- option year, if, you know, you wanted to part ways in something, if you thought Nolan Gorman was going to move up to second, because you knew he wasn't going to play second this year. Um, but just, you know, having that leadoff guy, you're right. And then having the, you know, having Tommy Edmund be that versatile guy that we keep thinking he's going to yeah. be, but a bench yeah. guy, the guy that you're not necessarily relying on to be in there every day can be in there. And you're right. He could have played some short now. Yeah. Would we have missed out on Edmundo Sosa this year? Perhaps. Um, but I think that's a trade off. I mean, I like yeah. Sosa. I really enjoy watching him play and he's been good this year, but you know, and it's possible they could have figured all that out too. But um, I just, you know, again, 
to not engage at all. It's one thing if they get in there and they say, okay, we'd like to bring you back at like 4 million, you know, spread it out over a couple of years or, and Wonk says, no, I need to do this. Okay. You know, fine. But you know, not to even engage at all. Yeah. You know, we've talked to this, this front office. And again, this, uh, yeah, it goes back to your point. Maybe some, a lot of front offices do these kind of things, but I have felt this front office, even over the last, for a long time, 15, 20 years, Tara and I've talked about it a lot too, just doesn't communicate with the players very well. Um, there are times where, well, you know, I think it was the, I think it was the lackey trade um, that, that some of those guys found out on, you know, on TV or whatever. And that was a sign, you know, they were losing really good friends. You know, they're losing Kelly. They were losing Craig guys that they were really attached to. And to find out not even from the front office was hard on them. And I want to say even the, you know, there's been times where other issues have come up like that, where the, you know, there's just not an engagement with a player or there's not a, you know, it's like, Hey, I thought I was going to get a you know contract and they didn't do it and stuff like that. I, you know, maybe they're just not people, people, but they've got to have somebody. I mean, there's got to be a way for somebody to at least be in touch with these guys and to, to have an open line of communication and see what they're thinking. Cause I, I kind of feel like if they had even just tried to talk with Colton Long, you're right with that, that desire to be in this group, to be where he's, you know, been embraced, you know, some, they could have worked something out, uh, you know, and then just didn't, they just didn't try because I guess at times, and, and it kind of reminds me of the Albert Pujols situation. They come in with a contract five years and they think Albert wants this because it gives him a chance to be a free agent again. And it's a high AAV and what Albert was looking for was long-term commitment and took that as an insult, you know, and knowing your players, you avoid some of that problem. And make sure I get my words right. Um, Cause I got a decent chance of getting fined and my wife, Michelle, will, you know, gosh, darn it. Um, All right. Sorry about uh internet issues right there at the end of me ranting. So I guess the internet didn't want to hear me either. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll transition a little bit here right now. A lot of stuff coming out this last day or so. Um, Ken Rosenthal and Kenny Wu reporting Derek Gould following up on that. Yachty Million is really feels like really close to extension, probably very similar to this year. One year deal, $9 million. Um, it was, you know, I think we've talked about this in the past, Alan. It is good to get that kind of, if they're going to do it, and you can argue whether they should or not, and maybe we will, um, but if they're going to do it, it's kind of good to get it set now. And that, you know, that's one less thing. I mean, if you're going to trade Kisner, you have a chance to trade Kisner. If you, you know, you got to figure this probably helps Adam Wainwright decide to come back for next year. Um, and it's, it feels like maybe, maybe, given the way they're using Kisner this last two or three weeks, that it might be a little bit closer to a timeshare next year than just a full Yachty plays 140 games. Yeah, that has been the interesting aspect of this is that, uh, you know, he's clearly played more and, uh, and it's been much more regular. Um, and it, I felt like that, that was interesting that some of these, uh, that some of the things that came out about the po- the possibility of extension started around the time where kids started playing more, which I which I felt was really interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those to where I am a big fan of whether this happens or not. I like it to happen early um, and get that out of the way. And then there's there was enough Wainwright smoke and stuff on the radio in the last two weeks that tells me that he potentially signs fairly early or lets them know that he wants to come back. You know what I mean? One of those type situations to where you can knock those things out, then progress to whatever you plan to do in the off season. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, a timeshare would be interesting and it gives them, it gives them a, a ton of options. If he signs early, figure it out. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Kisner's played, I think, you know, he played that whole series against, I've forgotten who it was now when Yachty was out with he'd, a little bit of a, was it thumb or something? Um, wrist or whatever the case may be. I don't remember exactly, but he played a whole series. But since then, he's also played basically once a series, um, which is good to see. And I mean, I don't think at the beginning of the year, I don't think even two months ago, Yadier Molina doesn't play all three games of that uh, Milwaukee series. Sure. Right? Um, yeah. The fact that Kisner played last night was 
it was, I think, somewhat telling of of what things are going to be like going forward. Again, Yadi's going to play a lot. Yadi's going to play when he wants to play. But I think it was, I think it's somehow either either they, he's taken enough um, beatings behind the plate lately, or if he's just starting to feel it, I think Yadi's finally kind of coming to this idea that he might not actually play forever which is hard to believe um, and making that adjustment. Um, if, if Yachty does come back next year and assuming that they can do this, is it, you know, is it okay? You think if, if Kisner plays once a series all year long next year, that'd be what 50 something games um, probably plays an extra game to so say if he plays 60 games next year. Um, I, that feels, I mean, that feels like a significant step forward right i mean i think that's I would, yeah i would think so where you could you could justify having kisner on your roster if he's gonna play 20 25 games and i think you trade him the offseason and you bring in up you let, let ali sanchez or somebody back up or whatever but if he can play and i don't know maybe that's the case do you think that we could see kisner play that much next year no i, I mean i i'm skeptical about it but this mm-hmm. the last two weeks have kind of made me think that that something like that may be in the works um you know it the funny thing about the Molina situation is they have just run through the the cheap backup catchers for the last ten years, mm-hmm. just to find a role to know that hey, you're not going to play much. Molina is going to play a lot. But the funny thing is, is Molina plays so much better with rest, right? That it was almost a detriment to him to uh, to to do the things that they've done. So you know, maybe you can buy another season or two out of it. Um, when you go back and look at numbers. It's amazing to me some of the th- some of the offensive numbers that Molina's put up for somebody that was perceived to be you know a defense only catcher, and mm-hmm. you just wonder if if uh, with the DH coming and all kinds of stuff, if that's not going to prolong it for a couple of years, if you can get a talented guy like Kisner to play more, um, that would be amazing to me if they did something like that. And that's kind of new age baseball, and I would love to see that. And you could possibly get more than a season out of Molina at that point. You could possibly, but I would. Honestly, I mean, just this is me selfish and, you know, I get it. I would really like if Yachty and Wainwright said at the beginning of whatever year, it could be next, it could be two years fine, but next year or whatever to say, this is it and give them that farewell tour that they really deserve. Sure. And that's, that's to, I preface that by saying bridge the gap to Herrera. If you really think Herrera is the next guy. You know that that's yeah. why I kind of say that, sure. but no, I agree with you. I mean, I think that uh, the that would be that would mean a lot to me as well. Yeah, and I think Herrera is a, is not Herrera is not going to be ready by the end of twenty twenty two, so he's probably not ready by the beginning of twenty twenty three. So, yeah. he, but even so, if Kisner can play fifty games next year. You can get by for a season with Kisner and whoever his backup is, I feel like, and see what he has. Let Herrera have another year of the minors and then be ready for mid-season 2023 or maybe beginning of 2024 um, and not miss. In fact, it may be beneficial, right? Because you'd never want to be the guy that replaces the legend. Yeah. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaces the yeah. legend, right? Um, you know, cause who, nobody's ever going to be able to stand up to what Yachty has done. Um, you know, I like what I've seen from Kisner so far, but you know, and he, I, I would be interested to see what he would look like on a regular basis. But you know, when we start seeing stolen bases and things like that again, we're going to realize, you know, what, what Yachty has brought to this uh, or, you know, things of that nature. It's just, it's just, you can't do it. So, but I wouldn't mind him have at least Kisner having at least one year of being the main catcher and let him see what he could do. Um, if that works. But again, if Yachty's willing to split time, you're right. It, he plays better with rest and, and maybe you do stretch that out, but there's a pull for a lot of people. And, and I think probably a little bit of a pull for both of them too, to go out together. Uh, and I don't think Wainwright's going to pitch past 2022. I'm pretty, he's pretty, he said it enough times that I feel like he's going to be ready to go to the house after that, even if he's pitching well. Sure. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's, uh, I feel like next year is probably a foregone conclusion, but I would not be completely shocked if he had hung it up. This tells me that they're probably planning it though. You know, to ne- definitely pitch together next year. 
And uh, yeah, that makes complete sense. I mean, after you said that, I kind of looked at pipeline because to me, two years is an eternity in baseball. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, into 23, that's, that's pretty tough to, uh, to think with Herrera, but, uh, but you never know. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, think about this Uh, two years ago, DeYoung hit 30 homers and hit 30 bombs. And I know everybody's tired of hearing me say this on here, <laughs> but that seems like an eternity ago and we're ready, ready to, to, to turn it over quickly after yeah. two seasons. And that's just, that just shows the quick, uh, the quick uh, timeline of a baseball career. Yeah. You know, of course for minor leaguer, especially they missed real comp- competition yeah. last year. I know Herrera was at the alternate site, but he did. That's not quite the same. And from what I've picked up from listening to Kyle on, I think every podcast <laughs> Kyle is a Kyle has been on a lot of shows lately and it is cool because Kyle's good. Um, but I, from what I've kind of picked up is uh, I don't know that Herrera's taking a step back as much as maybe not taking the step forward that you kind of thought. I mean, he still needs the work. Um, so I think, you know, you've probably seen him finish the year at Springfield. I don't think there's any particular reason that they would move him by now. He works at Springfield this year and probably gets the promotion of Memphis next year. And then, you know, from there, you just kind of wait and see. But, you know, it doesn't hurt. I mean, we, we always like to, and I think we've seen the, the, the pitfalls of that. But as fans, we kind of like, you know, want to see these guys come up and want to see them play. And, you know, even if they're hot in the minor leagues, doesn't necessarily translate to the major leagues, right? Um, so, um, and that's... It was interesting. I think, oh man, I'm trying to remember which show it was. I don't know if it was called with the, with the Benz or if it was um, Tara and Alex, but um, I think it was, I think it was uh, Kyle on uh, Cardinal Soft Day that was, was talking about this idea that some of these guys that have come up and dominated early, like Paul DeYoung, like Harrison Bader, then have scuffled later on. And, and we, you know, whereas if you let them develop and, and maybe even struggle a little bit, the major leagues, and then they, you know, Dylan Carlson has, you know, came up, struggled a bit, went back down, came back up. And I wouldn't say he just hit on all cylinders, but he's been better. You know, um, this idea that, you know, letting them struggle, let them work out at the major league level um, is better than maybe them coming up being hot and then falling off because, you know, Paul DeYoung got his, you know, got his contract in some point because of that early hot stuff, right? 18. And then like you said, that 19 season. Um, and it's, you know, he hasn't had a chance to really figure it out maybe at the big league level as much as we would have thought. Cause he moved, <laughs> up the, he moved up the minor leagues pretty quickly too. Yeah. 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 That's uh yeah. The, the weight of 2020 is, it's, it's just crazy to factor that into anything. You know what I mean? Because just like we had talked about, whenever early season here in Tulsa, whenever I would see the traveling teams come through and the drillers in particular, boy, it just seemed, I mean, they were just missing a step. It was really odd, you know, that no one covering bases, you know, it was, I saw Herrera throw two balls into center field because no one covered the bag in the Springfield series here, you know, just strange things like that. I think that Kyle and I talked about that and he said that uh, that has really, you could tell that they hit another gear after about a month and a half, right after Memorial Day, and things have seen a, a little more crisp. But I just don't know how that's going to go into evaluation, you know. And that's uh, I don't know how how patient they're going to be with some of these guys or whatnot. And and I I've noticed that Herrera's at the top of at the top of a lot of those lists that just hey be patient and let him grow. Yeah, and I mean we don't know exactly how you know if there's some issues around the CBA next year. You know, one you know does that mess with the season, yeah. but two. You know, is that going to be where, you know, all of a sudden there's incentives to bring people up? There's not incentives to bring people up, you know, because that kind of, you know, if it's a a situation where people are getting arbitration quicker or if it's a, (laughs) well, if it's a, a, you know, what, that's that argument that it should be six years from your draft. You have six years of control from draft day till, you know, for six years instead of six years of control from when they make it to the major leagues or whatever the case may be. you know, if that's the case, then maybe you see, especially if it's retroactive, then you see some of these guys start to get promoted a little bit faster. And, you know, maybe you do see a Herrera at the end of, you know, in 22 or at the end of 22 or sometime early in 23. But, you know, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of variables, but, uh, you know, right now, you know, if you could, if you could script it out, I think that's the way we would do it. But yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously you can't do that. So absolutely. Um, Cardinals do get back into the, softer part of the schedule 
after you know facing the Brewers. They've got um, the the Pirates again, and we're going to see the Pirates a lot. I mean, we're finishing up the season with them, so you don't see them in September. But you know, if the Pirates look like the Pirates looked last week, the Cardinals are going to pile up some wins pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's a good thing to to hear. And then they've got a couple with Detroit, and they got more with the Pirates, and then they get the Reds. Um, you know, they've got a over the next what we're talking five nine days, nine games, ten days. They got to win probably six or seven of those, don't they? Just because once they hit the Reds, things get hard in a hurry. Yeah, and I I kind of wonder, can you? Can you go five and two against Pittsburgh and be happy with that? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think, think that you're in a pretty good spot. You have the the uh, the four gamer there, but you would expect to win three of those. You know, a series split would be disappointing, but uh, but I would think that you win both series pretty easily. And then Detroit's kind of that fa- kind of a wild card factor, just because they uh, they played a lot better. But you would hope yeah. that you could sweep a two gamer against them going into uh, going into uh, Cincinnati. Uh, the Padres have a tough schedule. Uh, they're going to go, you know, they have the Phillies, Dodgers, then at the Angels, then at the Diamondbacks, of course. But, but uh, you know, that's that's to get you through August. So you have a chance to make some hay here. Um, that series looms large with Cincinnati. You know, that's yeah. uh, that's going to be pretty exciting. But uh, I would think that you're going to make, make up some ground here in the next week. And if you don't, then that's the team that you are. And that's kind of what we expected. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest here. There was a point, you know, no more than three weeks ago that you and I kind of thought that uh, September wasn't going to mean anything. And I think that we're wrong. I think that it's going to be pretty exciting. At least, yeah, at least it's going to start out that way. Um, yeah, you look at September, of course, the, I mean, once you start with that Red Series, it ends August. You got, you know, three with the Reds, three with the Brewers, four with the Dodgers, three with the Reds, three with the Mets, which the Mets yeah. is not, if you don't know what that means. Yeah, that's a weird situation. Um, yeah, three with the Padres, which will be, at least right now, looks big. Then you got another four with the Brewers. You got four with the Cubs, which granted the Cubs have been not, you know, pretty bad since then. Uh, and then you got three with the Brewers, then end with three with the Cubs. So, except for those Cubs series, there's really, and, and depending on what you think about the Mets, there's really not an easy day in September. Yeah. Right. And there's only three off days um, compared to how many that have been in, in August. You know, it's a, it's a tough one. So you got to pack, you know, get those wins when you can. And sure. Yeah. F- five and two feels like you, know, you hate to ask for more than that. Yeah. It's know? tough. Um, even as bad as the pirates are, but boy, it'd be nice to, sweep this weekend, uh, especially since it's Hall of Fame weekend. You know, they're doing honoring Lou Brock tonight. They're honoring Gibson on Sunday. They've got the um, induction ceremony on Saturday. Um, big weekend. A lot of a lot of things going on. It'd be nice to get some wins in there because if, if you lose either one of those series to the Pittsburgh or even split that four-gamer, you know, that that really puts a, a crimp in things. Unless, you know, I mean, unless the Reds or Padres stumble as well, I guess. Well, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> here's the thing. I looked at the Padres schedule just now in September. Have you seen it? I have, haven't looked okay. at it recently. Memorial Day weekend. Labor host Day. the Astros. Then they host the Angels. Then they go to L.A. for three. Then they go to San Francisco for four. To St. Louis for three. Then host the Giants then have four with the Braves, and then finish at L.A. If you can take a lead, if you can get above, if, if one of the central teams takes the lead on the Padres, there's going to be a central team in the wildcard game. That's I feel I feel that that's going to be the case. Um, but, you know, stranger things have happened. I wouldn't have expected the Diamondbacks sweep this past weekend either. You know, so let's take a look at Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, that that sounds like a, a hard schedule, especially with the pitching that they're – I mean, they've got Tatis back, which helps. I mean, they, but, he's, you know, he's playing yeah. outfield as a shortstop. So. There's a lot of desperation in that. But if you remember, I said on a show last year, Tatis is not going to finish his, his career as a shortstop. He's going to move yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I wonder if this is the start. I will say something that drove me nuts, though. Here he is with a shoulder injury, and he was going over the wall to catch a ball, you know, in workouts. <laughs> 
And I'm like, well, how serious are they about this? You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, I mean, you gotta gotta realize it's one thing in the game. Maybe you just get caught up trying to do it. But yeah. Um, speaking of that, you know, Tyler O'Neill, I think, would have actually climbed into the stands on on Wednesday night. That he went after that Garcia home run. Has there been a player that's made a bigger impression on you this year than O'Neill? He has completely changed my mindset on a lot of things. Um. You know, I was, I was a, you know, I was an advocate for O'Neill, you know, playing every day and playing regularly. Um, but I don't think I expected this. So I can't think of anybody that has. Yeah. Made, it, except maybe Edmundo Sosa, but that's more of a limited type of thing. Um, Harrison Bader has, has changed a lot of minds too. Yeah. Um, well, and you can tell the difference. Physically yeah. tell the difference when he's in center field. My deal, my thing with the, with O'Neill, and you know that we've been saying this for the past couple of years, the things that he brings to the field with his power, with his speed, with the laying out in the outfield, the things that he does, he'll endear himself to St. Louis mm-hmm. just because he's going to be one of those exciting players if he can put it together to where he's not the automatic strikeout. And he hasn't been this year. Right. And that's that adds to it exciting wise but man he plays hard i mean it's it's amazing to me to watch um an infield bobble and he's on the base i mean mm-hmm. he is so fast it's yeah. incredible i mean it's it's one of those to where you do wonder if that's not a situation that they don't consider to lead off next year and i know that sounds crazy unless they go get someone mm-hmm. well I don't know. I mean, I kind of stepping on what I say here because there's a part of me that I think that we're going to see a lot of Edmund in the lineup still, but I think it may be in the second spot just because he's, I don't know if he's ever going to get on base over more than a 300 clip and that's going to be tough out of the leadoff spot, but they're going to look for options next year. And you just do kind of wonder if O'Neill wouldn't be one of those guys, but they also, I think they see a 25 to 30 homer bat too, which could clean up pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, Ricky Henderson aside, you don't usually see that necessarily and i mean we've seen it some i mean i mean what cincinnati let joey Votto lead off yeah i just don't think the cardinals, you know what i mean it's, done that but you know. i just don't think the cardinals are that creative but it's that way I, I think that i think they see tyler o'neill and he's gonna hit the middle lineup which is fair i mean i get that um and and to be fair they've you know they did that with dylan carlson let him lead off and that's a kind of a similar situation sure power um, to do that. I want to say, oh, for Tyler O'Neill, and I was thinking about this this week, especially. Um, Tyler O'Neill is, I mean, you look at Tyler O'Neill and you see the, the big, bulky, you know, strong guy. Um, and, and, and then you start putting that stereotype around that, right? Um, and he's definitely not that. I mean, one, you talk about his speed. I mean, we don't, when you think of a big guy like that, you don't think of him being probably i haven't looked at the sprint speed but he's probably the fastest on the team even with harrison bader they're real close yeah um, you're right i mean if there's a if there's a chance he's he's there um but then you know we've you know we've known since he played since he's got here he's a you know he's a piano player um which is is like what this guy plays piano yeah he's, he's. and then <laughs> um this week that story that Jeff Jones wrote yeah. about, you know, we knew and we, he and I, you and I talked about it a little bit, you know, he's out last week with um, the um, COVID shot. You know, he's taking his second shot is having some, he's having some reactions. We're like, well, he didn't take the shot when everybody else did, you know, there was, you know, most of those guys took it right before opening day. What's, what was going on there? And the, the story that he, that Jeff wrote about, you know, he and his wife, I mean, literally, I mean, really taking the time to find out what's in it, to, you know, talk to doctors numerous times, you know, checking to make sure, because we know, as we saw this year, he has allergy, he had that peanut allergy that kept him out of a game or two, um, being real cautious, being really, you know, confident about it's not going to cause, you know, you know, problems having kids and things of that nature. And then he finally, you know, once he got all the information he needed, he went ahead and got the vaccine. And I think, like Jeff said, you know, so often we hear players say we're going to look into it, but that's just in a way of putting it off and not actually doing it. For him to be thoughtful enough to really take the time to go in and, you know, do the research, talk to people and really consider it. 
I just, I mean, it, it, it speaks to the depth of Tyler O'Neill that I don't think when you just look at him and see how big his muscles are that we necessarily think that he has. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that that article in general was was very, very good. And after reading it, I, I, I'm trying to tell myself not to rush to judgment for the people who have decided other ways. I completely agree with you. Most of that is just a kick in the can down the road and, and having a reason that's probably not as... You know, it, there's obviously there's other reasons than than you know what you're saying of hey I'm going to do the research and whatnot. That's just right. it's, it obviously just doesn't happen much. So this meant a lot to me when you read that, and it told me listen, quit rushing to judgment on this because some people probably mean it. It may be few and far between, but it but it, 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 it at least exists. So yeah, I mean that's you talk about finding out about uh, you know more about O'Neill, and and you're right. You the first thing you see is you know, former Mr. Universe, the son of him, you know, one of those type deals. And then you see him shirt ripped off and one of those things. And you had that mindset. You're just like, okay, this is the player that he's going to be. It's going to be a Maguire S type situation. And that's just not the situation. You know, he's a, he's a worldly guy and, and, and that's, it's awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and I, I think it just, it kind of goes to what we've said before though. The Cardinals have tended to try to, bringing character guys, you know, when they're drafting or, um, you know, when they're trading for people, they've tried to, they, they factor in clubhouse chemistry and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and for the most, I'm not saying it's the overall everything, but it does factor in. And I think that just kind of, kind of goes to that. Pulled up the, we were talking schedules a minute ago. I decided to pull up the red schedule, see how they do. They got the Brewers this week. So that's a good thing. Yes. Yes. Um, it, so, and then they've got the Marlins, which is not. Yeah. Um, and their September is their not September daunting. Is, no, I mean, yeah. They, got, yeah, they got the Tigers, they got the Cubs, um, they got the Pirates twice, the Nationals. I mean, they do have the Dodgers and the, and the Cardinals play them again, White Sox, and then they end the, end the season with the Pirates. So, yeah, if you, it's, Looking at that schedule, I mean, it helps that the Cardinals are only two and a half behind them right now, but and they've got some head to head. That's not that's not helpful because Cincinnati is a is a pretty good team. Yeah, you kind of wish that that White Sox series was middle of the month, you know, because when I see it at the end of the month, you're thinking, well, you could hope that uh, they're playing for best record in the American League and really want to step on it, but uh, they also could be cruising by then as well. That's what uh, what kind of concerned me because you're thinking, okay, that would be a big advantage if they played them middle of the month. But you know, timing may be everything on those, and that's yeah. uh, that's the scary part. You know, that's I'm not so certain that the Cardinals aren't a better team than the Reds, and that's the most frustrating part about digging this hole that they may not be able to get out of because you know the the the, the Reds don't have Winker right now. Uh, they uh, I guess you could say the same about the Cardinals and Carlson, but Winker was a legit MVP candidate. And uh, oh, yeah. you feel like you can make some inroads on this. Uh, you know, I'm like I said, I am not by any means skeptical of a Cardinals run. I felt all along that they had a good run in them. And like we said a couple weeks ago, it could be a situation where they play really well, but the hole may to be too deep. But you, at least you finish strong and you, you finish like, you know, a few games out. But that may also really kick yourself when you have a game like the like uh, uh, Wednesday night or a game like the Atlanta game where you walked in on the runs. So I don't know, but it's going to be fun. I mean, and that's one thing that you and I were kind of hoping that uh, that the the last few months of baseball would be fun again because honestly, most of the summer with the Cardinals has not been. No. Well, and I think that seeing where the Cardinals are right now, and I don't want to get too far into it because we're running out of time, but it is something to think about. Seeing where the Cardinals are now makes it very frustrating that the Cardinals didn't go address their pitching issues in June. Um, because if they had addressed their pitching issues in June, you figure, I mean, they won, what did they win? Like six games in June? I may be wrong. Maybe I'm off, but it still feels like you could have gotten two, three, four more wins there. And if you have four more wins, you're the wild card right now. Um, you know, and I think you you and I were talking about it again, how if, if Milwaukee won, that they would be a team you could root for. I mean, most besides the fact that they got called long. I'm also would love to see, and I've, and I say this about the Reds too. I said this the last couple of years about the Reds, um, a team that is active in trying to get better. You know, I mean, the Brewers didn't wait to fix their infield problem. They did it yeah. in what May. 
Um, and that's, you know, they didn't wait to do some of this other stuff. They've done things along the way. They may not have been huge moves, but they t- addressed their issues before they became a major problem. Yes. I talk about the Reds, you know, those last two off seasons, not, not so much as past one, but the two before, you know, they were signing players like Moustakas and, and Castellanos and stuff like that, even though they weren't necessarily right there on the cusp you know if this day, this day and age it's like if you're not ready to contend you're selling off you know what i'm saying and it was nice to see a team want to put out a good product for their fans even if they didn't necessarily think they're going to win the division so to see either one of those teams i mean obviously i want the cardinals to yeah do, but but if they can't either one of those teams i it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see them get some reward out of being the kind of team that we want to see yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And it's, uh, yeah, to take a step back on it, it's, I feel like this series, one of the things that really stung with, uh, losing the series to the Brewers, I mean, you kind of expected it and that's not, not necessarily on the field, but when you look at them and then you see the lead that they have in the division, and then you realize that Wong is the only starting outfielder they have that was on the team in spring shows the aggressiveness that they went through to do this. You know, that's, uh, that's, I was looking at it and I was thinking, man, we're pretty stagnant as far as roster goes. And they're, they're holding firm and saying, this is who we are. And this is, we think that we can win with this roster. When you see Milwaukee, who may have been the division favorite from the beginning with their pitching, go out and do the things that they've done to, to uh, acquire some pretty big bats and some acquire, acquire char- character guys that have made a huge difference with them. So when you see the Adamas of the world and you see the uh, Escobars and, and the, you're just like, man, those guys were there for the taking. I know they wouldn't necessarily have been a fit for the Cardinals, but it just shows how aggressive Stearns was to go and get some of these guys. Well, yeah. And I think that, I mean, you look at what Jay Hap, for instance, Hap for Gant, right? You know, that's a trade you probably can make in June, right? Yeah, I, mean, I know it, in June they were using Gant in the rotation, and so maybe you do something different. But that kind of that kind of trade to get a guy that you know just would have covered some innings, you know that veteran guy, and you know if you're if you do that right then, again, I'm not saying that they would have necessarily won a whole lot more games, but you got to feel like they probably it would have stabilized, and it would have been some sort of morale issue as well, right? It's like okay. We're taking care. We're on top of the problem. Yeah. We're, you know, this is what we're doing now, you know, and then maybe you do something bigger at the trade deadline because you're, you've be closer, but instead they just kind of, this is all going to work out. And it didn't at all. And I think everybody kind of knew that, right? You knew that OBA don't need it more time in Memphis. You needed things like that. So anyway, um, all right. Well, that will, I think it'll do us for for today. Again, the Cardinals take on the Pirates this weekend, and, and hopefully it should be a big celebration weekend anyway with the Hall of Fame stuff. So hopefully that all works out well, and there's lots of wins on the field. And Alan and I will be back with you next week to talk about uh, you know where they're at as before they play the Pirates again. So <laughs> I guess they'll be I guess they'll be playing the Pirates next week. All right, that series yep. starts on Thursday, so we can't can't really avoid the pirates uh, on the show right now so anyway we'll talk about that uh, and everything else uh then so until then for alan i'm daniel good night good night shooter from the belt to the plate a swing and a miss and that's a winner that's a winner a world series winner for the cardinals